In case you haven't noticed, the price of gasoline just keeps going up. And if you go to the grocery store, your money just doesn't seem to go very far, does it? And you watch the news on television and it gets just downright depressing sometimes. In fact, if Fox doesn't depress you enough at 6 o'clock, at 7 you can turn to CNN and then get really depressed by watching the news. To add insult to injury, then we somehow manage to run into some complainer that just manages to make things even worse for us. You know, to be honest, to be truthful, there are some people that just have a knack for being a killjoy, don't they? There are some people that it's like their calling in life is to see just how much they can depress people that are around them. Like a guy I knew one time several years ago, this, this guy could walk into a room and it was just like somebody had turned out all the lights. That's just the effect that he had on people. The point is, in times like those we're living through, it's easy to lose heart. And you know, sometimes we start a lesson and say, well, let's define what that means. We don't need to define that, do we? Because all of us know and all of us understand what it means to lose heart. I remember reading one time about a man that just seemed to always have bad luck. Like that old country song, if it wasn't for bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. This was a man that was often at the point of death. Five separate times this man was beaten with 39 lashes across his back. Three times this man was beaten with rods that were made out of birch wood. He had been pelted for, with stones and left for dead. Three times this man suffered a shipwreck. This man spent an entire day and night adrift at sea. And those are just, there's other things that we could catalog that this particular individual went through. But the man that went through all of those things I just mentioned wrote the words, I never lose heart. That was what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. And I just read that to you out of Dr. Moffat's translation. Now when you think about it, losing heart is an almost universal problem of men and women today. And all sorts of people, all conditions of people, lose heart. It's the experience of the dull and the ignorant. And truthfully, they don't know any better. But if the ignorant and the dull lose heart, so do the wise and the understanding. You see, they know so much to lose heart about. 
If you go back to the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, it's written by Solomon. It's called The Preacher. And the preacher in Ecclesiastes, he held a very secure position among the intelligent elite of his day and time. But just because he held a secure place among the intelligentsia of his day and age, that did not keep him even from losing heart. According to his own confession, it made him all the more hopeless. You see, in spite of his great gifts of understanding, he looked with dull-eyed pessimism at the utterly crooked situation that he lived in, declaring that it could never be made straight. Weaklings lose heart. It would be hard to find anyone that does not sometimes look toward the heights and have a longing down deep inside to climb to those heights. And oftentimes, folks make a beginning to climb to the heights, but fail to arrive. Why? Because they lose heart. You remember reading one time about a young man that came to Jesus? He was a rich man. And he came running to Jesus. He was enthusiastic and he came running to Jesus. And he fell down at the feet of Jesus. And he said, what do I have to do to become one of your followers? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Well, he was given to understand by Jesus that he was going to become more homeless than the foxes of the fields. That he was going to become more destitute than the birds of the air. And when Jesus told him what was going to be involved for him to become one of his disciples, you know what that young man did? That young man that had come running to Jesus and fallen down at his feet and looked up and said, Good Master, what must I do? He lost heart. And he went away from Jesus. Actually... The Scriptures tell us that he went away sorrowful. And we never hear from him again anywhere in the Word of God. But if weaklings lose heart, the strong folks also lose heart too. I read one time of a man tearfully telling God that he was the only good man left in the world. And as this man tearfully tells God that he's the only good man left in the world, he hopes that God won't let him be in the world very long. In 1 Kings chapter 19, when he was in that condition, Elijah had just won a great battle at Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal. And he had taken all of those false prophets and he'd put them to the edge of the sword. What was wrong with Elijah? Certainly Elijah was not a weakling. Elijah was one of God's strong men. In fact, if you look at his life, 
And you look at the way Elijah stood up to the forces of evil, and you look at the way Elijah stood up for God, you would actually think Elijah was made out of reinforced concrete. He dared to defy Jezebel. Probably the most wicked woman who ever walked the face of God's green earth. Elijah put his hand on the shoulder of a tottering nation and so steadied that tottering nation that he saved it from disaster. And yet we see Elijah, after victory, after victory, after victory, tearfully saying, God, I'm the only good man left, and God, I just pray you'll take my life. I'm not worth, it's not worth living. What was wrong with him? Elijah had lost heart. Let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with each other. We lose heart over all sorts of things. There seems to be nothing too big or nothing too little to cause us to lose heart. And you look at this world we're living in right now, and it's easy. It's easy to become despondent and depressed. And we're faint-hearted about our nation. We're faint-hearted about our schools and our institutions of higher learning. We're faint-hearted and concerned about our future. We get faint-hearted and we lose heart over all kinds of things. Over the years, I've seen husbands and wives become so disappointed in each other, they're just ready to quit. I've seen parents that are disappointed in their children. And you look around at our age that we're living in. And you look at the people in our day and time. And you look at the people you meet on the street. You look at the people you see in Walmart or Brookshire's or the mall or wherever you might come in contact with them. Our day and age is not one of what you would call radiant hope. But let me be completely candid. Too often, you and I are more keenly disappointed in ourselves. Life hasn't worked out the way we dreamed it would. Over the years, I've known a lot of folks that became involved in the church, and they had great hopes and expectations. And I've seen some of those same people confess bitter disappointments. And I talk to people every week, people from other places that will call me or text me or want some encouragement. And there are a lot of people in churches all over this country people sitting in the pews that have lost heart in the church. They've lost heart about the pulpit. And I talk to some of my preacher friends. And there are a lot of folks in pulpits today that have very little hope for the pews. And a lot of preachers I talk to confess privately 
that they actually no longer really believe deeply in the value of preaching. Well, I must confess, I still believe deeply in the value of preaching. You see, I remember that Jesus Christ came preaching. I actually remember that God only had one Son. And God made a preacher out of Him. So I've got a great hope for the value of preaching. In the New Testament, preaching and salvation are related as cause and effect. My heart's desire and my prayer is that all over this world of ours, the batteries in the pews and the batteries in the pulpits can get recharged. And that all of us can say with Paul, I never lose heart. Now be assured of something. To say I never lose heart, that doesn't mean that every day is equally bright. But here's what it does mean. When Paul says, I never lose heart, that means that no day is so dark as to cause Paul to quit. Write that down. It's on the final exam. No day is so dark as to cause us to quit. Here's how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 11. And this is in Philip's translation. We may be knocked down, but we are never knocked out. I never lose heart. That's an important claim that Paul makes there. Because Paul saying, I never lose heart, he's claiming a treasure that is a fundamental necessity. I would go out on a limb and venture to say that more people fail in every kind of human endeavor because they lose heart than for any other reason. If we keep a stout heart, Victory may be possible under the most unfavorable of circumstances. But if we lose heart, if you and I lose heart, defeat is certain no matter what our circumstances are. Losing heart slows us down. Losing heart makes us walk with faltering steps. It's like a car that's running out of gas and you coast it to the gas station. Did you ever do that? I never will forget. I had an old car one time that had gas gauge issues. And I needed some gasoline. And I knew I was about gone. And I started thinking, okay, where I started thinking about where I was parked. I was in downtown Marshall, Texas. I said, okay, if I go around the square, 
Bolivar Street is one way all the way to Grand Avenue and it's downhill and there's no red lights and no stop signs. Dead serious. And if I time it just right, the red light at Grand Avenue, I can catch it green, turn right and not have to stop, and it's downhill two blocks to Rose Oil Company. I topped the hill around the square on Bolivar Street. And the light was red. But I had four blocks to go. And so I just kind of slowed a little bit at the beginning. And then I let off the brake and I coasted. And just as I got to Grand Avenue, that light turned green. And I turned that car to the right. And just as I turned to the right, I started going downhill and I heard that engine go. And I coasted those two blocks and I turned into Rose Oil Company and I coasted up to the pump and I put on the brakes and I filled up with gasoline. That poor old car lost heart halfway to the gas station. That's the way we are sometimes if we lose heart. We sputter. We stall to lose heart. Folks, when we lose heart, we lose power. And it's a killjoy. A man or a woman that's discouraged is miserable and brokenhearted. And when we lose heart, we become not an asset any longer, but we become a liability. One time over in the latter part of the book of Acts, This same apostle who never lost heart, he's on board a ship. And that ship is being battered by a cyclone. It's in a hurricane. And that storm-battered wooden ship is threatening to break in pieces. They throw out all the cargo. The ship's about to break apart. On that merchant ship, there are 276 men. And of those 276 men, 275 of them lost heart. It says all hope that we'd be saved was gone. But the one man that didn't lose heart stood up on the deck of that storm-tossed ship and said, Be of good cheer. No doubt they thought he was nuts. He said, be of good cheer. He didn't say be of good cheer because the captain is an experienced seaman. He didn't say be of good cheer because this is a strong ship. It's about to break apart. He said, be of good cheer. Because there stood beside me this day an angel of the Lord and said that no loss of life would happen. And he said, be of good cheer, for I believe God. He said... I never lose heart. He said, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Guess what? The courage of Paul on that merchant ship was grandly contagious, and every one of those 276 men was saved alive when the ship wrecked. But, if courage and optimism is contagious, so is cowardice. And pessimism. How many of you remember Chicken Little? Hmm? Yeah. 
No? Yeah? Chicken Little was no great personality. But Chicken Little was so obsessed by panic that she was able to stampede every fowl in the barnyard. The cowardice and the pessimism of Chicken Little was so contagious that she ushered every member of her fear-filled group into the pantry of Mr. Foxy Loxy to lose heart is to become a liability. Well, yeah, but it's easy to say. How did Paul keep from doing it? Paul was living in some troubling times. Make no mistake about that. Every day and every age is difficult to live in. Paul's day and age was conspicuously that way. Paul was not blind to the grim ugliness of the world that he lived in. In fact, there are times that even Paul sounds like the biggest pessimist that ever walked the face of God's earth. For an example, in the first chapter of the Roman letter, he gives a glimpse there of the rotten and rotting society of his day. It was such an ugly sight, the depraved society of his day, that three times in that first chapter of the Roman letter, he speaks of those depraved souls as God gave them up. It wasn't a wonderful time to be optimistic. Well, let's be truthful. It's not easy sometimes to be optimistic in our day and time. We hear a lot today about the new morality of our day and time. The horror of these people that talk about the new morality is that it's hard to distinguish the new morality from the stench of the old immorality. And then we have people talking about all these different genders that exist in society. And I read my Bible, it says male and female created he them. And the Bible talks about two. In our day and time. Faith in God, church attendance, those two things are at an all-time low in our age. And there are a lot of people that actually get on television or they have blogs or they have Facebook pages and they actually boast about their loss of faith. People actually sound almost triumphant and exuberant about the fact that they have lost their faith. There's opposition to, to God. There's opposition to people of faith today. There was opposition to Paul. And in spite of opposition, Paul refused to lose heart. He suffered bitter criticism. Sometimes that bitter criticism even broke into violence, like the time they stoned him and left him for dead. In fact, with the beatings that he endured... Paul's body was little more than one big ugly scar. But in spite of failures, Paul did not lose heart. You read the book of Acts. We've been studying it on Sunday mornings in Bible class. And you read of Paul's preaching missions. And he had amazing victories in those preaching missions. 
But Paul didn't win every battle. Remember, Paul went to the intellectual capital of his day, the city of Athens, and he went there with high hopes. He wanted especially to appeal to the intelligent people of the city. The response to Paul's preaching in Athens was so meager that there wasn't even a church established there. And Paul's greatest failure? Paul's greatest failure came from among his own people, the Jews. Paul had been a very strict and zealous Jew. And maybe that led Paul to believe that he would be especially fitted to reach those Jewish people, but that wasn't the way it was. Generally, when he went to the Jews, they rejected Paul. They rejected the message of Paul. And in spite of that, we read Paul say, I never lose heart. You see, Paul didn't lose heart because he had a genuine, growing experience of God in his life. Jesus Christ was a real person to Paul. His force and his influence was real in Paul's life. Paul declared that the same God who in the early morning of time had said, let there be light, that same God had shined in his own heart to give the light and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's in the letters that he wrote. That tremendous experience Paul had, it began that day on the road to Damascus. And from that day forward, Jesus Christ became a growing, living experience in his life. And Paul was heartened because of that vivid, growing experience of God through the light of Jesus Christ. Paul kept heart. He was constantly being renewed. He was constantly being reinforced. He learned how to give. He learned how to receive. He'd given everything to God and he was constantly receiving from God. Sometimes that reinforcement came through human hands. You remember when Paul found himself under suspicion from the saints at Jerusalem? After his conversion, the saints of Jerusalem had suspicions of him. They rejected him. And what happened? The son of encouragement comes along, Barnabas. Barnabas takes Paul by the hand and takes him to the saints in Jerusalem. And Barnabas vouches for him and said, We need to receive Brother Saul into our fellowship. To meet Barnabas on the street, that would be like having all your tires aired up all at one time. Some of Paul's friends like Demas might prove to be false friends, but friends like Barnabas brought encouragement. But more important, for Paul, he was constantly being reinforced by the power of God. And just like Paul was constantly being reinforced by the power of God, you and I, can be constantly reinforced by the power of God because for Paul it came through prayer. 
And for us it comes through prayer. Remember what Jesus told the disciples in Luke chapter 18? We pass over that first parable of the unjust judge so often because we want to get to that parable of the Pharisee and the publican. But in that parable of the unjust judge, Jesus said we ought always to pray and faint not. Put another way, we ought to always pray and not lose heart. There was one more thing about Paul. He was sure of victory. In that first Corinthian letter in the 15th chapter, he writes, The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Then in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Paul, we should never lose heart. We ought to always pray and not lose heart. We make Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of our lives and we can be assured No matter what's on Fox at 6 and what's on CNN at 7, we can say thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's His invitation as we stand.